your kids don't have to do that now. Exactly. They can engage people on their phone and you have no idea. And you're assuming they're safe because Absolutely. they're sitting next to you. Absolutely. But they may be in more danger Absolutely. than you ever perceive them to be because you have no idea who they're talking to. Mm-hmm. Or no and idea. the types of things they're filling your teenager's head with. Exactly. Or what. Bro, that's like crazy. All right, guys, RLTK PHX Podcast, Real Talk Phoenix, Episode 9. Episode 9. Excited to be here today. Uh, got a good topic on deck, I think. I think it's going to be an interesting one to talk about, something I've been thinking about wrestling with. I know John has too. I would hope you guys have been enjoying uh, what we're recording um, and, and what we're doing. We're just trying to create a space where we can talk about things that are going to help uh, parents uh, engage their teens in deep, meaningful conversation. We spend our time doing that on high school campuses, yep. and uh, we're starting to do that on college campuses as well. And we just want to bring everything we're learning to the table for you so that you can engage them in the home because we believe that you should be the primary influencer concerning your teen's destiny, that you should be speaking into and building with them and helping them understand the world and the way it's going to work and the kind of decisions that they should make or at least influencing uh, the decisions that they're making for good. And so, um, yeah. So today, uh, I think it's a great time to talk about this. We wanted to dive into the issue of relationships and dating. Yeah. So specifically from a romantic perspective. And I think the reason why we wanted to do this is, you know, Christmas is coming up and then the spring comes and, you know, everybody, you know, Valentine's Day is around the corner and everybody (laughs) starts getting getting (laughs) excited about relationships and stuff if they're not already in them, right? And in the holiday season, it's always nice to be in a relationship, right? Yeah. Those holiday relationships. I remember when I was growing up. My friends would like always be getting in dating relationships before the school break came, so they had someone to <laughs> no hang out with. No one wants to be alone. Exactly, <laughs> that's someone to hang out with or get a present from. Yeah, that's right? true. So I can get the real reason. Exactly, it's probably low key true. Uh, you never break up until after the holidays because yeah, you, you know, want to miss gift, out on the gifts. Gift right. right? Even exactly. If you're, like bored with the question, <laughs> like yo. I'm not going to break up with them until after the holidays. We won't say which gender tends to do that more than the other. Right. We're not going to... It's a touchy subject gender these days. We're not going to snitch on that. Right. Right. Exactly. And so, yeah, we wanted to just dive into that a little bit. So we wanted to talk about um, how we we see teenagers viewing relationships, like romantic ones, and why. Uh, What does this mean for those relationships that they're getting into and the future of relationships for this generation? And then how can parents engage in this conversation a little bit? and help their teen process through the way that they're processing through yeah. or the way that they're making decisions about relationships and maybe learn a little bit from you uh, in terms of your successes and your failures, right? Mm-hmm. Your failures are as, are as important as your successes in a sense. Like your teens need to hear about that stuff. It's going to help Absolutely. them. And so, yeah, let's dive in. So, John, how do teenagers view relationships in this day and age and why? Well, I think if you think about teenagers several generations before, mm-hmm. and what I say before is before technology mm-hmm. and the internet, and I know we always talk about that, but really that's the age we're living in is trying to understand the implications of technology and how the world has changed around us. And so I always hearken back to my teenage years, and there was a limited amount of people that I was able to find a partner from. Given yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, given the geography where I was raised. Exactly. 
And I think that what that Kilgore, Texas. Well, I mean, I, I traveled around from diff, all sorts of places around That's Texas true. and yeah, you Tennessee lived in for a while and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't really stay in one particular area, so I think I have a little bit different perspective. But mm-hmm. that's the point. If you were going to find other partners, you basically had to uproot your life from one community and leave and go to another. Yeah. Right. Like it, it was. It cost you something to expand your horizons. Yeah, 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 yeah. At least in terms of romantic relationships. Yeah, or just to, you, you know, had to have a vehicle career or whatever, right? And when yeah, it, you remember those older movies? It kind of, you know, those older movies like, hey, I'm gonna, mom and dad, I'm gonna leave and go to the big C. You know, what absolutely. I'm saying? Yeah, it cost you something. Yeah, that's good. And so I'd say today that the cell phone has replaced the automobile for most teenagers in mm. terms of giving them. That's the good. liberty to expand their horizons. Explain that a little bit more just to help people understand what you're saying because you're making a profound point. Sure. Well, the way that you could get away from your parents when you were a teenager, the way that you could get a little bit of autonomy to mm-hmm. get away from them was to get in a car and go down the road. Yeah. Now, most teenagers had to have money for gas and so they had to work a job or they had to have friends. And the way that you made friends was you met people, you made fun. There were things that you had to do that made meeting people <laughs> difficult. You had to have a car. There was barriers. You had to be brave. Yeah, so there were things that limited teenagers, I mean, just 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. T- 15 years ago. Yeah. To where the relationships that they experienced and had were limited. Mm. And so their horizons and their abilities to date other people were limited. And because of that, what that normally caused people to do was, I won't say settle, but... They didn't have as high of a standard, I believe, concerning the types of people that they were searching for. Yeah. And I think, too, you don't know what you don't know, right? So if you only have a limited capacity in terms of what you can go after, you can only go after the best of what you see. Yeah. And so if you didn't know there was any better, you're not really settling as much as you have a smaller pool sure. to live out your standard by. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And, you know, you could say, well, I'm so glad that I know that there's more people out there because mm-hmm. now I could have the best possible partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But that becomes a crushing responsibility for the other person you're searching for because they didn't realize that you were trying to meet all of their, you know, that they were the person that was supposed to meet all of your needs and that's yeah. the new motivation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think before in generations, before this modern generation, that teenagers were thinking like that. Yeah, it's true. I Let agree. me find this perfect person. And so technology has changed everything because now the teenager um, has a phone and they can basically essentially choose a partner from anywhere in the world. Absolutely. Right? There's not, I mean, it, so if they prefer somebody who's from a different country or speaks multiple languages or, you know, has a different uh, skin color or, sure. you know, uh, has certain interests, they can essentially type those things in on a search bar on social right. media and go look for them right. and find a person <laughs> that fits those requirements yeah. and then engage them in a conversation. And, and what's we, used to, we used to do that before. We just didn't know that that's what we were doing. Exactly, right? But the reality is you had to like, like you said, there were barriers. You had to have courage and you had to find out who that person really was to decide if you actually liked them or not. And it took time. Now I can go on a social media profile and find out this person's interests and if I like those interests, then I'll engage that person. Right. And then if I don't, I won't. And I think you made a profound point, bro, just a second ago. Mm. Uh, this idea with regards to technology and how basically parents 
feel like their kids are safe because they're at home, right? Yes. So, like, before, with <laughs> yes. the automobile, like, kids were running out, like, late at night and those yes. types of things. And yes. I'm sure there are kids that are still doing that, right? But, like, your kids don't have to do that now. Exactly. They can engage people on their phone and you have no idea. And you're assuming they're safe because Absolutely. they're sitting next to you. Absolutely. But they may be in more danger Absolutely. than you ever perceive them to be because you have no idea who they're talking to. Mm-hmm. Or no and idea. the types of things they're filling your teenager's head with. Exactly. Bro, that's like crazy. So parents could be thinking, man, we're, everything's good. We're safe. My teen's at home or they're sitting next to me on my couch. But you actually don't know what it is they're participating in, who they're talking to. Absolutely. Or what person is trying to get them to come meet them and all those different types of things. Absolutely. Like I'm in a bunch of parent groups on uh, social, particularly on Facebook. And I've seen numerous times where parents are like um, finding messages from like older men who are soliciting yes. you know, uh, relationships with yes. their 14 and 15 year old teenager yes. and this guy might be in his 30s and he's like hey let's meet up at the mall hey you know mm. like, like asking seriously intrusive wow. scary freaky questions wow uh and so creepers yeah and so <laughs> there's that pop but there's also the reality too that like you know uh teens are just engaging uh people that are their age in relationship and trying to figure out mm-hmm. who it is that they want to be with. But there's this immense pressure to find the right person, right? To be mm-hmm. in relationship with. And I think that's down to the reality that, um, you know, obviously in this day and age, uh, we're less religious people too, right? Mm-hmm. So I think what happens is um, that hole, mm-hmm. if you will, that sense of satisfaction that we need to find, we're trying to find elsewhere and we'll try and find it in relationship with another human being. Mm-hmm. We now have the ability to uh, pick from anybody anywhere, and mm-hmm. if we're gonna do that, right, we're gonna we're dang sure gonna find the right person. You know what I'm saying, like, if I'm gonna go for all this effort, I'm gonna find the right person that I need. And I think uh, the communal aspect as well. So we're way more individualistic in nature, and mm-hmm. so it's always more about what we want and how we want it and when we want it. And it's not so much more about us making decisions that help other people as well. So like. Before, romanticism or romance wasn't the only reason that somebody got into a relationship, right? It exactly. Like, uh, it might geographical, so I live in a certain mm-hmm. area, and this is what I have to choose from. It might have been yeah. financial, like or hey, religious, yeah, or religious. Yeah. Your parents, yeah, this choose who your mates going to be. Me. Whether or you're in love with that we person or not, church, <laughs> exactly. Right? And they're, good, they're compatible with me. Yep. We believe the same yep. things. We want to do the same things with our life, and so. We'll build our lives together and we'll find love mm-hmm. in the midst of that, right? Financial, while this person has a ton of money and has the ability to bring up my family. I mean, think about how marriages happen between royalty. You know what I'm saying? They like mm-hmm. have these marriages so that countries can be brought together mm-hmm. in all different types of stuff right. of that nature. And, and this, now, yeah. none of those things are a part of the decision-making process. It's, well, they are, but I think that they've, okay. been, they've been reduced. Okay. And I think that even if you So think, they're not as much as a priority. It's not exactly individualism. And I think the reason for that can, it can be good. You know, the individualist impulse can be good, but I think we've gone to an extreme. And and here's what I mean. So let's say you did go to a university or you get, you did go to a church or you did go to a club. Mm -hmm. If you were to look at those places as though they were applications on your phone, Mm -hmm. you could call it meet me at church or, uh, hook up at the club or, or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what I want. In other words, even though people are using certain apps today, mm-hmm. those apps have a purpose. Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so if you would say that a church or a club or a university was an app, mm-hmm. 
that that was the app people used to go to to find partners. Mm-hmm. Okay. That and so sense. so they would come into these people went to church because they knew they'd find a good person like, there. They went to school because yeah, they find a smart person there. They went to a club because they find a person that would engage in certain activities yeah. there. And so the applications today, there's a big difference between Facebook and Tinder. There's, you know, that's in true. terms of what people are using the applications to approach, yeah, right? That's a good point. So we're, it's not like these applications are necessarily making us something that we weren't before, it's just but they're highlighting. Out. It's heightening. That's yes. a good point, man. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah, because now we have the secrecy aspect, right? Mm-hmm. So before... Exactly. What will control, Yeah, because before, right? Yeah. If you go into a social space like a church, there's a certain way you have to behave while you're trying to find that person. Exactly. Or if you go to the club, there's a certain way that you behave while you're trying to find that person. Or does it, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And that may or may not be who you really are, but you have to play the game in order to get what you really want. That's good. Hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And so... Uh, and so my point is, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people would say, well, let's go back to that era. People were still being selfish before applications, right? Yeah. People were still having the issues. That's a good point, man. Right before technology. But you think now you think now it's been maybe exacerbated a little bit, it's been heightened. I think so, because we value I think what happened was when you saw the breakdown of family and the institutions of family, um, with just the divorce culture, what I would call in the West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, were yeah. right. And part of the divorce culture would say that, hey, in, in legitimate terms, hey, there's abuse happening here in this home and mm-hmm. so these relationships are um bad and mm-hmm. so we need to do something to get out of them like obviously there's some some logic to these things but then there's also the idea of just getting out of a relationship because i'm bored yeah. or getting yeah. out of a relationship because it didn't work out the way i thought it was going to work yep. out right yep. yep and so individualism drives those decisions that's good right yep and so you've got to ask yourself like how much of an influence should the, should individualism have it's a good point. And in my opinion, it's probably a little even, too much. I don't think we're even thinking about that. And I think you bringing up the marriage point is a great point again because it t- ties back to uh, the generation that's coming up. They're seeing mm. their parents not be married mm. or get divorced, right? Mm. And so a constant thing I hear on campus is, oh, I'm never getting married. Mm. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to make that kind of commitment. They What's the, wanna, do they give reasons when they say that? I think it, the, what I've heard is, you know... I. So my parents fail at it, so yeah. I don't want to fail at it. And I think mm-hmm. like there is this reality in this generation. But they still want a relationship. Yeah. It's the it's the reality of performance, right? And I think it plays into the relationships that they're having and even why they're selecting them the way that they are. Because there's this pressure, especially through social media, to be perceived as having it all together. Mm. That's how you get the most likes, that's how you get the most fans, right? That's how you become famous now mm. right like how many social media followers you have and those different types of things and so you know for this generation they want to be known they want to be different they want to stand out they want people to look up to them and um you know esteem them mm. and say man you're you're enough you're you're like i want to be like you mm. you know what i'm saying and so well wow. there's this pressure to find the right <laughs> mate to be the right mate and if you've seen that in marriage nine times out of ten that doesn't happen. Why the heck would you get married? You're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think in their mind, there's this perception of like, dang, this is just something I should avoid altogether. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm in this pursuit of being perceived as this particular thing, chances are marriage yeah. is not going to help me be perceived as that particular thing. So I'm just going to wow. go ahead and not 
get married. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And to be honest, that kind of... So what is it? What is sense. that saying they want to be perceived as? Having think, it all together? Yeah, I think they want to be perceived as having it all together or being a person worth following, being a person mm. worth modeling your life Being a after, god. Being a person, <laughs> being, you know, getting all the likes, getting all the comments, you know, those being different types of things. Yeah, basically, yeah. And then finding yeah. the perfect person. Like, have you ever seen so someone on social... So amount of pressure. Yeah. Like, to be perfect and then to find somebody else who's perfect. Who's also perfect. And they're perfect by your standards. So that means they have to give you everything that you want. And if they don't, then yeah. they're not meeting the standard. I think that's why young people prefer relationships online too, because it's easier to be what you want to be rather than what you actually are. Mm. You see a lot of people on social and they look one way on social and then you meet them in real life and you feel catfished or whatever. You've yep. heard this before. And I think that the reason they prefer relationships at times is because you can maintain the illusion online more than you can in real life. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think you, I've even... I think I've even heard people say, like, yo, I'm in a relationship with somebody in line, online, but I don't want to meet him. Yeah. In case it ruins what we have. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, like, we have this fantasy, and I kind of know it's a fantasy, but I know that if I just keep it here, it'll be everything I want it to be right yeah, now. Exactly. And I can keep it that thing in my mind. Mm-hmm. So, you're really kind of in a relationship with yourself. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Like, I was talking to someone about this the other day. My generation, we grew up watching an American Idol, mm-hmm. right, on television. That was our primary medium. So we watched television, and we saw this thing to become, right? But now everyone can be a producer of their own content. So now they don't want to just watch an idol. They want to be an idol. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like we become what we behold, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, we're looking at this. And we eventually feel like, well, that's what I should be. And you see this on social, like how many things are like dominating what's popular among teenagers. It's by like somebody who became popular mm-hmm. and now that's the thing. And everybody's doing it or saying it. And the intent is what? To be praised, to be liked, mm-hmm. to get, what do they call it? Clout. Get your clout up, you yeah. know? The infamy or your fame. It's crazy, man. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Um, hmm. yeah, so they, they're seeking perfection. It's interesting. Yeah. Wow. And I think I think they're not just seeking perfection, but they're also see, seeking satisfaction in the mm. relationship, right? Um, mm. Well, if you're perfect, you're always satisfied because you can control everything around you. Well, yeah, I think that I think that the perfection about oneself, the perfection for oneself, is like it's more about putting on airs than it is actually being being perfect. So it's more about people perceiving me as so pretending to be being perfect. that myself. Because wow. I think we all know that we're not, right? <laughs> That's really profound. It's also the reality of like finding that in somebody else, right? So like I know I'm not perfect, but I'm going to pretend to be and I'm going to find somebody who is, who's going to give me what I want. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. And so <clears throat> another thing that's interesting, I know, I know a kid right now who, uh, <laughs> so he, He's in a relationship with a girl, but he keeps asking another girl to be in a polyamorous relationship with them. And he's mm. like, a, I think he's a freshman or a sophomore in high school. <laughs> really? Yeah. And what does that mean? Like sexual or just relational? I, think, or? I mean, I think it means all of the above. Yeah. But I think it points to, once again, this reality. Okay, he got into a relationship with a girl. They're together. He's not satisfied with that, right? Mm-hmm. So the solution then is to add another person to it that can bring satisfaction for everybody wow which is just it's interesting so i don't know i don't know if more kids more students are 
participating in these relationships or thinking about it or yeah having or doing it or having conversations. I haven't seen that much with teenagers, but I know that in popular culture it's become a thing. A thing, you know. Yeah. And so maybe that maybe that's what it is. I'm not and, sure. And this goes back to what you were saying earlier about the pressure of individuals to be perfect for each other. Mm-hmm. I think that you can even see the foolishness of that notion in the fact that there are polyamorous relationships. Yeah. It's 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 contradicting. Proves, it's, it proves it's impossible. Not, you're not satisfied. <laughs> you so can't you find it in a, exactly. Um, and that's not to say that, by the way, I haven't seen teenagers in this generation who are in wholesome, healthy relationships. I would say at this juncture, at this yeah. point, that have good relationships with another another person, uh, a person that they're in a relationship with, and things are going well, and they're enjoying one another, enjoying figuring life out, and mm-hmm. thinking about getting married or. <laughs> Uh, things I like that nature. figuring life out. Yeah, and so <clears throat> I think that there are cases of uh, Gen Zers having really good relationships with people that they're in romantic relationships mm-hmm. with. I just think we're talking about popular culture, right? And the yeah, dominant absolutely. ideas absolutely. that are well, the things that parents need to be concerned pool. about yeah, influencing sure. their teens, right? The things that they need to be asking them about, having conversations about. And so, so what does this mean then for relationships that teenagers are getting into from a future perspective? And I think the first thing that um, I see a trend that's happening, and it kind of started with millennials, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Maybe, did it start with Gen X's? I'm not sure. But I think it started with millennials that people are getting um, married older mm. and they're getting their lives together first. They feel this pressure to get their lives together, to have the right, right job, to have the right amount of money to be successful and then once you've like mm-hmm. created that for yourself you get married to that other person and it mm-hmm. seems that before it was kind of more of like okay well I'm figuring life out and you're figuring life out and we enjoy each other and we'll grow up together we'll grow up together we'll figure this thing out together mm-hmm. we'll we'll cover each other's weaknesses we'll we'll encourage each other and help each other out and we'll build a life together yeah now it's more about no let me build this life first Mm-hmm. Right. Let me get all my ducks in a row first, and then I'll bring somebody else into that yeah. second. Mm-hmm. And so it's just an interesting shift, and it seems like <clears throat> the age that um, people are getting married is getting older and older if they're even getting married. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> I think um, so. I think that's something to consider. I think that uh, also teenagers are, and we've kind of hit on this a little bit, but not said it clearly. They're getting into relationships that are solely based on what they get out of them, mm. right? So the romantic, the romantic aspect of a relationship or romantic relationships in general, the whole reason to be in one is so that you can get out of it whatever you want in that relationship, mm. right? So if I want to be sexually active, then I'm going to look for somebody who wants to be sexually active. Mm-hmm. If I want to be affirmed and encouraged, I'm going to look for someone who does that, right? Mm-hmm. If I want somebody who looks a particular way, I'm going to mm-hmm. look for that. If I want somebody who's about a particular thing, then I'm going to look for that. And I'm not saying that um, those aren't even things that you should or shouldn't look for. Right. I'm just saying we've got to a point where the primary driver has been, what can I get out of relationship? Right. And I think before there was more of a, okay, I'm understanding that when I get into a relationship, there's something that I'm supposed to bring to it in yeah exactly and so there's this desire to be perceived as perfect and then to be with the perfect person Mm. and so i think there's an immense amount of pressure when it comes to relationships and so i think we're Mm. seeing kids jump in and out of relationships quickly or Mm -hmm. the relationships 
don't become anything other than, hey, let's make an agreement. I want something out of it and you want something out of it. So, as long as we're getting that. So as long as we're getting that, we're good, right? So yeah. when I was in college, hey, you want to have sex, I want to have sex. So mm. let's have a relationship that's predicated on those times. Wow. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. And so, <clears throat> um, or I remember um, there was a girl in our, so I was a soccer player in college, and there was a girl that everybody wanted to get with. Mm. And so I ended up being the guy that got with that girl. Mm-hmm. And like the amount of praise that I got in the locker room mm. because of that. Wow. Like I remember I'd be gauging, engaging in sexual activities with this girl thinking about, man, I can't wait to tell my homies that this is happening right now because they're going to describe what happened to them. They're going to think how amazing. So like, it wasn't even about, Hey, I'm engaging in this thing with this person. An intimate moment (laughs) with this person. Yeah. Like, like your head's all kind of another place. I'm going to tell my boys. (laughs) I'm going to brag. I'll be like, yo, see, but this is what's happening to teenagers today. You know what What's happening to teenagers today is they're not just bragging to their friends in the locker room like you were. They're putting it on social and yeah, sharing man. it around there. Yeah. And and the only way that people have learned to deal with it, and, and this is the reason for the mental health and stuff that we're seeing in teenagers, it's like, okay, it's one thing to fight off locker room banter. It's another thing to fight that off when all of your information about that event is all over the internet. I'm like people can actually watch it. It's not just hearsay or rumor. It's like video. Documented. Pictures. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so that's kind of gotten us to a place, like you were saying, where are we going? I think one of the things that we're going is to a place of more and more transparency hmm. and more and more of, I don't, I don't want to say um, sexual exploitation, but definitely okay. lower standards of sexual acceptance. It seems to be the doorway for relationships now, right? Yeah, Absolutely. It's just, and and I think that there's this idea of safety in it because when teenagers are sending pictures or videos of themselves, they don't feel like they've actually done something physically. Yeah. Right. But again, that 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 stuff is becoming a blight on their reputation. And I mean, they're cracking down on it. But they don't care about reputation the same way. Yeah. Right. Like you had said earlier, fame, there's a fine line between fame and infamy. Mm -hmm. Like the thing that, could make you infamous can also make you popular. And if that's the thing that they're seeking out, those things ain't necessary. The lines are blurred. Exactly. Mm. You become a hero for some kind of crazy stuff you did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, so the crowd or whatever just keeps encouraging you to continue in that way. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to harken back to what you were saying about me or what I mentioned about me is kind of like this idea of being praised Mm. being accepted by your there friends. You go. Right? Likes. So, you got a bunch of likes yeah, in the was, locker room. It was more about <laughs> it was more about how people perceived me than about me being with this person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Meeting a person's need. Yeah, that just I just I mean bottom line is I used it for my own ends. My own ends was to be <clears throat> seen as somebody significant by my peers. That's well, it. And see that's what that's the difference between I would say marriage and relationships. That those sexual encounters are for the purpose of fulfilling another person, not for the purpose of bragging about conquest, right? Yeah. And so when you're engaged, and that's why sex in those contexts historically has been viewed as acceptable because otherwise you're basically just using people, Mm. right? And I'm not saying it's the best institution. I'm just saying that that's where we were, right? And that's 
how we got to where we are today because that institution, as you said earlier, religion, and I'm not just talking about Christianity. I mean, Islam has very uh, high standards. I read today in Indonesia, I believe, where um, this gentleman had premarital sex and he got like a hundred lashes or something for it. Dang. Right? So there are religions that come out against sexual deviance for, for reasons, whatever. But today, you know, with the the slide towards irreligion in Western culture, and I'd say a lot of that's probably predicated with, again, technology. Because before, when you lived in a society, whatever the dominant thought of that society was where you lived is pretty much what controlled your worldview. Well, now if you have a cell phone that is expanding your worldview big time, mm-hmm. then you're no longer limited to the worldview of the small population where you live in. That's good. Does that make sense? It does. And so I think all of that, we're talking about what's affecting the future and how the future will be affected by where we are. I think that those are some really important points on all that, man. The parents ought to really consider when they're thinking about how to approach this topic. Yeah, I definitely think uh, we'll see teenagers or the teenagers now, they'll probably get married less, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's definitely where the the trend is headed in that direction. Less marriages. Uh, perhaps less families, less kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because our relationship, the relationships are being predicated on, once again, the same mm-hmm. type of thing, which is what can I get out of it? Mm-hmm. What types of, what kind of uh, satisfaction mm-hmm. can I get out of it? And I don't think it's just that. I think it's also, when we've talked about this before, the reality of them seeing their parents struggle financially, them knowing they're going to struggle financially. True. Uh, I think I was reading something the other day, and I think, I'm pretty sure it was from Forbes, and it talked about how um, millennials now have way less wealth than boomers did when they were the millennials age. Yes. When baby boomers were millennial age, like so, you know, in their late early 40s or all the way down to um, late 20s. So late 20s to early 40s as millennials are now. Boomers had 25% of wealth in the United mm-hmm. States. And right now, millennials have 3%. Yeah. And right, and so we're significantly mm-hmm. less wealthy as a generation, mm-hmm. and uh, that's and so, affecting relationships. Yeah, that's affecting too. relationships. That's affecting the way we're thinking about stuff because we don't we don't feel safe enough. We don't feel like we have the resources to bring another person into a relationship with us Security. and take care mm-hmm. of each other. And then on top of that, right, we saw our parents struggle, and so it's a high priority for us to have that financial stability and security, and we mm-hmm. don't have it. So then we're not. But at the same time, we're human beings and we want to be in a relationship with other people. Mm. And culture is constantly telling us in order in order to be enough, in order to uh, uh, be a person that everybody should look up to and affirm, you have to have the right person. You have to be the right person. Mm. So we're going to chase that. And then mm. at the same time, almost kind of reject it, which is really mm-hmm. weird. So that just means we're going to get what we want without making the commitments necessary wow. to really get what we want. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so I think uh, as all these things are happening in culture right now, it's really kind of setting us up unless we're willing to walk through and talk through these issues. It's really setting up our, mm. our teenagers to fail, man. Absolutely. Really. And I think we're, we're, we're seeing it happen in, in millennials. I can't tell you how many friends I have who, you know, I've been married for five mm. years and I have tons of friends who got married around the same time I did. That have been divorced or in their second marriage already. Yeah. And their second marriage is kind of rocky. It's yeah. like, 
yo. I know. You know what I'm saying? And it's no judgment. I mean, no, not at all. No one's trying to judge anyone. We're just saying that this is what's happening. This is where we are. Yeah, this is where we are. And And we got to talk about it. Absolutely. If we're going to do anything about it, if we're going to move forward, if we're going to grow as people, we have to stare it in the face and talk about it. And so um, Mm. as we get to uh, the final piece of our podcast, um, how should parents approach this conversation concerning relationships? So you're a parent. You want to talk to your teenager about this. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Well, I think one of the things that I've already thought about with my own children is when I talk to them, I say, you know what? Relationships, if you find someone that you're going to marry, you need to view that relationship as a foundation for success Mm -hmm. rather than a capstone for success. And what I mean by that is build a life together. Who cares how successful you are in the beginning? Right? Like have a reason why the two of you are together. And that reason ought to go beyond whatever selfish ambition you might be able to get out of it. There has to be something bigger than yourself that brings the two of you together. And for generations past, that meant family. They were building something that didn't exist before. Children didn't exist before the two came together. And the purpose of coming together was not just to have children, but was to build a family, to pass on a legacy. Yeah, that's good. And for some people, you know, that legacy was business. It's been the family business. It's been there for years. Let's have kids so we can have something to pass on, right? Or whatever, political power. You could see this in definitely um, in parts of Europe where they still have the the idea of gentlemen and class structure and and nobles and people who are of a higher order than most people in society. Mm. And so I think you start to see some of these things uh, change in the, you know, in the future. Uh, But yeah, where we're at is people need to see that relationships are a foundation, not necessarily a capstone for success. And that's the stuff that I'm telling my kids right now, like find something that you can build a life on and find someone you can do it with. It's good. And I think too, it's kind of piggyback off of that. I think the reality is there's a lot of parents out there who may have, or in broken relationships or relationships Mm -hmm. are becoming broken, right? Maybe they're divorced already. Mm -hmm. They're on the edge of being divorced or their relationship isn't what they thought it was going to be. Right. And I think, uh, the reality is your teenager knows that. Yes. Like I was sitting in the room just last week, actually, uh, or this week, sorry, we were at high school and we were having a conversation about parents mm. and we were asking like, what is one of the, what was one thing you would want to change at home if you could? And one kid was like, man, I wish my parents wouldn't fight as much as they did. Wow. And you know, it kind of makes things hard cause I want to spend time with them and then they're fighting and I've got to go to my room and wait for them to get done fighting. And if I ask him to stop fighting, then they get mad at me. Right. And so he just feels like he's in between a rock and a hard place and he loves his parents and he wants them to stop fighting. And then I have friends who are like, I'm bad. I'm sad my parents got divorced, but like their relationship's much better now. So I'm kind of happy at the same time. Mm. And so um, the reality is if you're going Mm. through anything with your significant other, your teenager probably knows anyway. And a helpful thing to do would be to talk with them about it. And what I mean by that is, I'm not telling them to tell them every single detail. Sure. What I'm telling you is that they can learn from what you've learned. Right. And so if you'll share that with them, if you'll share your failures and your successes and your fears and your doubts, mm-hmm. they can learn from what you've experienced in life that they haven't yet. 
Mm, and then they can also, you're also building trust in the process, right? You're being vulnerable and they're realizing like, dang, my mom, my dad's sharing this with me and this is really what they've been through. Real life. And so yeah. Real so talk. Like, exactly. <laughs> and so I should listen and maybe I can share with them some of my feelings, some of my failures and some of my doubts as well. Mm-hmm. Because that's what we want, right? We want you to get to a place where you can have that honest, open conversation. Yes. Connect and share stuff with each other and you can help them make decisions that are going to basically help them flourish as humans in life instead of figuring it out themselves and making a bunch of mistakes that they may or may not recover from. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Transparency is key. Exactly. And so I think it's really important for parents to do that. I think it's uh, also important for you to uh, help them understand why it is they're pursuing what they're pursuing. And so what I mean by that is they may have a certain type of person they like or they may be in a relationship right now. And just ask them, well, why do you like this person? What is it you like about them? What is it you see that is going to be uh, good in terms of building a future with them? Hmm. You know, sometimes teenagers haven't thought those things through. They haven't really asked themselves that question. Hmm. And they good. may come to the conclusion, like I did, hey, this really isn't even about this person. It's more about me and what I get from this relationship than it is about me actually caring about this person. Mm-hmm. And so then it's like, well, is it helpful for you to even be in this relationship? Should you even sure. be in this relationship? Or maybe they recognize that their pursuit is buffed out of some other unhealthy thing. Or maybe you get to understand like, wow, this is a really helpful, genuine relationship. And maybe I should get to know the person that they're in relationship with. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like we talked about with friendships, bringing that mm-hmm. person into the family. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like the reality is if your teenager is getting into a relationship with somebody and it's serious, you're probably going to want to get to know that person, yeah. right? And get to know what kind of person they are and uh, spend time with them and and know that, like, hey, if it ever did become a reality that they're really going to be together, you could have a uh, high level of trust that this thing's going to work out pretty well or at least that person's going to take care of your child, your mm-hmm. teenager, whenever they decide they're going to fly the nest or whatever, right. right? And so I think it's really important um, for parents to get involved in that mm-hmm. and then explain the reality of what relationships are because I think... Yeah. And I, I'd say that's why transparency is really important yep. because that becomes a sticky situation when you're trying to preach to your kid how they ought to be in relationship when you mess yours up. Yeah. So you really do as I say, and, not and, what but, I do. But every parent feels that, right? Like no. they don't want their kid to make the same mistakes. And so the approach they normally take, in, in my opinion, is not the most successful path, but mm. they... They really tighten the screws down on their kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. And why are you doing this? Because I don't want you to make the same mistakes I made. But sometimes doing that is what causes them and pushes them towards those decisions and towards yeah. those people that are yeah. bad. Yeah. And so when you're transparent and you share your failures, that becomes a bit more of an aha moment. Yeah, because you're there with them. It's exactly. Not a- Hey, I'm up here. Exactly. I'm gonna drag you out. You're at. He's like, and I think most the way you're at. Yeah, and I don't think most parents are trying to do that. No, I don't not think at all. they're trying to, you know, boss their kid around. No, some are. But we're afraid, right? Exactly. We're afraid. Mm-hmm. That's that's your kid. You know, I've got two children. Yeah. And I, I have a daughter, and it's like, flip my world upside down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, <laughs> yes. dang. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't ever want it to get married. You know what I'm saying? I feel the same way. Like. I don't ever want anyone to. You know, part of what that's about is I'm a man, and I know how greedy and selfish and horrible, horrible men can be because I am one. Yeah, and I fear that for my daughter. 
And now for, for sure. me, I'm trying to model what a good man looks like. But the reality is I have a lot of failures and myself yeah, that she's seen. Failing. That she's seen. Yeah. So how can I tell her, you know, live for in this perfect person when she's had a model in front of her that hasn't and, been that? that person, it's really a silly concept. Yeah. And that person ultimately yeah. doesn't exist. And this is this is what we opened up the talk with, right? This is this silly idea that we got into our culture. I say silly. There's some there's merit to it, but this idea that romance and romanticism ought to dominate our thoughts continually concerning relationships. Yeah. And it just shouldn't. Yeah. I think what has to dominate Definitely not to the degree it has been. Yeah. And I think it's a part of relationships, but it's not all, right? Yeah. I think it's something you experience in it. But I think it's something you experience in it. When you're willing to commit to an individual, mm-hmm. when you see all their their strengths and their weaknesses and their vulnerabilities, their fears and their doubts, so and in the midst of that, you commit to each other. I think that's when you can experience yeah the love that you're out to experience. Right, it's on the other side of the pain. It's on the other side of mm. um, the challenges. It's on the other side of like nothing bonds two people together like going through something painful together. Yeah, for sure. Saying? Like the relationship we have. Yeah. We have it because we've experienced a lot of hardship together. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's it's meshed us together. And those things could have torn us apart, but it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. And so mm. I think the same is true for relationships that you're in with uh, a significant other. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And I think ultimately, as we kind of wrap up the Christian perspective today, ultimately the reality is that we can't, can't find satisfaction in another human being. If I'm broken yeah. and you're broken, if you have failures and I have failures then we can't give each other what we need because what we're mm-hmm. both looking for is perfection. What we're both looking for is divinity. Yeah. And you're not going to find it in another right. human being, right? The reality is you can only find it in God, right? And the only God that we see that comes and, and makes a home with us and lives life with us and dwells with us is Jesus, right? Yeah, so he becomes a man uh, and he lives a perfect life. Mm-hmm. And he dies to reconcile us. He dies to deal with that brokenness on the inside mm-hmm. of you and I and on anybody and anybody else in the world who wants to receive mm-hmm. that grace. And so the reality is if you failed at relationships, uh, if you failed at relationships with your teen, like there is grace for you in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you can experience that grace and that love and find the satisfaction that you need in your relationship mm-hmm. with him. So then you can truly become a person who's a giver. Right. Yeah. So now you have the satisfaction that you need that we're all looking for. Mm. So now you can give that to another human being. Right. Man. And now we can begin to live life the way we were always intended to live it. And now our relationships can have the true type of romance, love, affection that we're all mm-hmm. looking for. We're all looking for somebody that will love us mm-hmm. in all that we are. Yes. Right. The good and the bad. And that goes back to what you bring to a relationship. But what this generation has seen yeah. is that you that's, bring love not, into that's a not possible. So they hide the bad. Yeah. No, but that's right. Isn't it right? Like love is not just what you get out of a relationship, what but what give. you give. Yeah. It's what you give. Yeah. And so. So anyways. That's good, man. Episode nine. Episode nine. In the books. <laughs> All right, guys. We good love stuff, you guys. Man. We hope this was helpful to you. Encouraging. Uh, can I mention have, the other platforms yeah if you have any questions concerns comments hit us up uh, on all our social media platforms ROTKPHX Facebook Twitter Instagram LinkedIn YouTube YouTube man I always miss that one yeah. thank you uh, also we create a parent platform specifically where we're creating content 
mm-hmm. to help parents continually have these conversations with their teenagers. RLTKPHX.org is where you will find that free content that's Everything available to free. you. Yeah. We're constantly creating stuff and dropping it in there for your benefit. Um, yeah. We love you guys. We will talk to you again soon. Peace. Peace out.